well, well, well. Uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome back. It's great to be with you. It is Swing Thoughts, the mental performance golf nerd festival that is produced lovingly whenever we can here on TSN Radio Hamilton. Great to be with you, golfers, as the uh, summer is, I don't even know, is it half over? Uh, golf season in full swing. Lots of people celebrating uh, club championships and uh, getting ready for the fall. Uh, my name's Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show, along with Tim O'Connor. He is the mental performance coach for the Glen Abbey Golf Academy. He's also available for personal consultations, and um, and he will manifest a better golf game uh, in you. Uh, manifest? Is that what I do? I, I don't know. A debrief? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Exercise, demons. Yeah, oh yeah. All kinds of things. He's a shaman. He's a, he's a, he likes ramen. He's uh I don't even know what ramen is. Yes, you do. Talk. Yes, I you don't. do. I don't. I live in a small town like Guelph. Ramen. I don't, it's, the, I don't live in the big city. Okay, you know what? Just stop pretending you don't know what ramen is. It's They're noodles. We all used to eat them in college. If you went to college, it's those, you oh. know, the, Anyway. Oh, I mean, like the cup of soup yeah, noodle well, things? Except, oh. uh, the, you know, for a lot of the Asian culture, it's a staple food. Anyway, it doesn't matter what it is, but you're here, I'm here, and this program is brought to you by TaylorMade. And, um, you know, we've often talked about TaylorMade being, you know, uh, the number one driver in golf. There's also, of course, the twist-faced technology. And, by the way, the M5 and M6 drivers, they have the twist face, but you should also know that the fairway woods... Excuse me. Have twist faced in the fairway form. There's also, of course, Ricky Fowler changed over to the TP5, TP5 X golf balls. Those are all tailor made uh, staples. And of course, thank you to uh, Adidas. Look at us. Look at you. Look at me. We're old and yet we look fashionably um, festooned. Splendiferous. <laughs> We, Visions uh, of sartorial splendor, as my right. dad used to say. <laughs> we're, we're festooned in the latest and greatest from Adidas. Go check out the full line of Adidas. And, and by the way, some of the stuff for fall, because sadly fall will be here at some point. Hey, I just ordered my stuff for the University of Guelph golf team. Seriously? They, they are going to look amazing. Are you they talking are about the Griffins? The Griffins, yes. The Griffins. Nice. The men's finished eighth in Canada last year, and our women top player Sarah, very Dunning, nice <clears throat> national so, champion. Adidas, yes, uh, check out the full catalog, and of course the uh, V4 Bushnell V4 Shift Rangefinder. All right, <clears throat> it's been a long. Uh, you were. It's been a few weeks. Well, we we've had some great best of shows, and it's been a few weeks since we've produced a live program. Of course, the podcast available on iTunes. If you hear something here on the radio, you want to look at uh, some of our back catalog. We've got over a hundred shows with some of the most brilliant minds. We've been so lucky. I don't know about you, but I always feel so grateful for this opportunity. Not only because we get great stuff from Adidas and and TaylorMade and Bushnell, but because we have a chance to speak to all these people that uh, a lot of golfers will know: the Carl Morrises, the Sean Foley's, the Fred Shoemakers. Absolutely. I wrote a blog a couple weeks ago about Don McDougal. He's the founder, basically, of the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh, he's a friend of mine from way back. And, and it was in the blog I said that being you know, in journalism, which you and I do in different forms, 
gives us access to these amazing people who we normally wouldn't, you know, be able to talk with. But here we are able to uh, say, hey, you know, you want to come on our, our little podcast and you get 20 minutes, half hour or longer with some of these fascinating people. It's, it's a really cool thing to be able to do that. One of the uh, first things that brought Tim and I together was, you know, converse, <clears throat> excuse me, conversing about some of the books we had read, the Bob Rotella books and Fred Shoemaker's Extraordinary Golf and so on. And, and then to actually be able to talk to Fred Shoemaker on the show. And, and, and then I thought about this because I'm going to tell you about listening to a podcast. And I thought of you because I thought, wow, you know, Tim's gotten to go to California and, and spend time with Shoemaker. And that must be, not to be punny, but that must be extraordinary. No, absolutely it is. It's, I, and I've actually been, I think, to three Fred Shoemaker workshops. Um, really feel fortunate. But that one in California was a coach's workshop, uh, three full days. And just to be able to, to hang with him and his, uh, his, his own coach and business partner uh gary lester uh that was it was just a very rich uh three days and you know me mr <laughs> you know anal retentive uh get it all down i filled a freaking notebook just i was just scribbling for three full days i imagine <laughs> well for you people who don't know fred shoemaker go check out extraordinary golf there's lots of videos and stuff but what i wanted to relate to tim is a few weeks ago i was at the cottage I had a week off, and uh, I was listening to some podcasts, and I came across... Now, Carl Morris is a, has been a frequent guest of our show, and we both have been lucky individually to spend some time with him personally, like to, to be coached by him. Yeah. Uh, Carl has a, a, a podcast, I think it's called Mind Factor? Brain Booster, Brain actually. Booster, but his Mind Factor is part of his... Uh, it's kind of his uh, his, his brand, brand, if yeah. you will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so go check out the Brain Booster podcast. Carl Morris interviews Fred Shoemaker, and that is an, it is a yeah, just like you're saying. It was amazing. It was great. Have those two guys together, and uh, uh, Carl just did a, a nice follow up podcast on um, because Fred was inspired by Timothy Galway, right? Who basically who got kind of. He he kind of got it all started with inner tennis, if you think about abs- it. Hundred percent, he did. Yeah, another and so book, another book uh, we both Carl, read. Carl does a nice little reprise of the um, performance triangle that Galway came up with. So that's that's where. But to hear Carl and Fred on the same podcast, that was really fun. Well, you know, it it was mostly Fred. I mean, Carl's as big a fan of his as we are. But oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I listened to that podcast. I listened to Fred on another podcast. And the more you hear Fred Shoemaker, and, and, and there's a reason we're telling you golf nerds this, is because, like, I, I know we've talked about Fred before. I, the gratitude idea is, I, did, I, not, I feel very grateful to have spoken to a lot of these guys, but the more I listen to Fred Shoemaker, the more I realize, a lot like Hebron, I don't think I appreciated at the time what a wonderful mind Fred has. I mean, I, I thought it was cool that we had him on the show, but now listening to him, like really listening, as opposed to broadcast listening, you know. Um, right. There's a difference. There is a difference. Because, you know, I, I when when we're doing this show, I'm listening in, in, with an ear to keeping the 
the flow going, unlike this part of the exactly. show. <laughs> unlike, unlike this stuff. <laughs> but anyway, go have a listen to it. I, I want to talk about some of the things that, that I, I picked, I, I remembered from listening to these two guys. But the overall thing about listening to Fred or Carl or, or even Tim and I is that there is another thing going on here. That's the point of all of this, that this game we're playing is only just there to show us a pathway to so much freedom. And that's, uh, that's really the takeaway I get from, from Fred and listening to Carl. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, I say this a lot uh, to clients and, and other people around golf. If golf was just about the number that we write down on the scorecard, yeah, I wouldn't be interested. Um, yeah, I like to shoot low. I go into my club C this weekend. Yeah, I hope I score well. But but overall, there's a may, bigger game here. And, and, you know, it sounds like a freaking cliche, but golf is such a metaphor for life, for gosh sakes. The way we show up on the golf course is so much like we show up in our relationships, at work, in our community. It, it, it really is amazing. Um, and I think a lot of it is. It's that combination of, of performing, you're conscious of what we're doing, our hopes, our aspirations, our fears. And at the, at the end of the day, we write down this number, <laughs> which is a pretty good indication of how we did in, in all those areas. Well, the funny thing is, I, I'm surprised you said that, because I think that I thought you were going to say that at the end of the day, you write down a number, and the number has nothing to do with how you showed up that day on the golf course. No, but I think it does because if I have a day, let's say I have a day where, oh, I went in with, say, some expectations that today's going to be a pretty good day and, oh, it wasn't such a good day. And maybe I get a little angry and, you know, make a couple double bogeys in a row or something like that. And I, I shoot a high score. So I think it's it's a both and for sure. Okay. I think, you know what, I um, if we go back and listen to this part, I think I misunderstood and I think you've misunderstood me. Um, that's fine. Because so maybe maybe because, golf's a metaphor because, that we don't listen because well. This is a, because we're trying to be as authentic as possible. But the number on the scorecard has nothing to do, to me, with the, the what you brought to the course that day. I, the, the point, I think, is that people get so caught up with, I shot 45 in the front, you know, I need to shoot lower on the back or I'm not a good person. Right, yeah, absolutely. That, that's what yeah. I mean, is that, you know, how it's a metaphor for life is because golf gives us a, a kind of an... In, in a way, it's almost like a great big video game, because but it's a video game for you as a person, meaning that are you a powder? Are you a sulker? Do you, are you, do you rise to challenges? Do you fold when the pressure gets tight? On and on and on. And it kind of gives you a chance to take yourself out for a, just to kind of see how you do. And, and it's, I, I've been waiting for three days to tell you this phrase. I, as soon as I saw this phrase, I go, I can't wait to tell Tim. He'll love this. <laughs> Here it is. How, I, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but I I love this. It's how you do anything is how you do everything. Yep, it will absolutely. How you do anything is how you do everything, and that's what golf is for me. Because I know the work I've been doing on myself personally away from golf, uh, the changes I've made, the you know the work I've done, the work I do to try and you know. Just not be as angry and not be as reactive and not be as inauthentic and not let, you know, not let my emotions rule my my psyche. 
All of that has translated into better golf, but it's also translated into being a happier person. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, that's really cool. Um, and that, yeah, I, I think we were, we were more in the way, same wavelength than we may have thought we yeah, were. I think we were. I think we were. Um, yeah. So to me, like I said, golf's this metaphor. How we show up in golf is so much the way that we show up in all these other parts of our lives. Yeah. And, you know, so it's, it's no, if I go into, I don't know if I to to write a blog or something, and I'm really self conscious of am I doing it right? Is this going to be good? Well, I'm just getting in my own way, which is typical of how a, a golf game will go. If I'm trying to do something, swing in the right way while I'm swinging, well, that's that's just I, I'm just falling prey to my ego and and you know all the the fears and the stories that it has. Right. As opposed and, and, to just letting myself go, and and those those things um, conspire to inhibit your natural flow, whether it's as a writer, as a person, as a golfer. Uh, toward the end of the show, by the way, in our second segment, uh, we're going to do a little thing where because uh, Tim has uh, obviously he coaches a lot of uh, fine players, and uh, from time to time, I'm one of them. Today, I'm going to coach Tim. I'm going to give Tim a couple things for his uh, club C's. And maybe you've got your club championship coming up. And i got a couple things I'm going to uh, share with you uh, that will give you uh, something to think about uh, yeah, for, and, your, uh, and, for your tournament. So this is cool, man. I'm really looking forward to it. And also, I would say that probably what we talk about would be applicable to trying to beat your obnoxious brother-in-law. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you know, just break 100 or 90 or whatever. Um. So I, we can. I don't know when you want to start. Um, you were well, out you west. Had, you, What's yeah, that? Yeah, I was out west. Thanks. Um, Ten days in the lovely Alberta Rockies. Um, played golf twice. Played this lovely little course called Kananaskis Ranch, which was really fun. Beautiful. Um, but the um, the big boy course I played is uh, Gray Wolf, which is an amazing Doug Carrick course in Radium Hot Springs or near there, anyways, BC. Holy cow. My gosh, what a golf course. Yeah. Um and beautiful vistas. Oh, absolutely. Everywhere you everywhere you turn, just yeah. absolutely gorgeous. And um so it fully earned it. I it's funny, I got back and there was Score magazine with the rankings of the top public and resort course. It's number five. And wow. I thought, wow, you know, well earned, right up there with, you know, Cabot Links and Well, if I may Speaking of Cabot Links, on uh, after this weekend, Monday morning, I'm going to be playing. Uh, I'm flying out there to play uh, Cabot for four days. Oh man! I know. I'm so jealous. I know. I know. Wow. That'll be awesome. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, I just hear amazing things about that course. So yeah. So yeah, I had a great vacation and and back in the swing of things with uh, work and yeah, my club C starts today. So it'll be fun. You know, um, but what about you, man? You've been up to some cool stuff. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, I, I, what, well, how much time do we have? <clears throat> you know, the reason we're doing the show, hopefully, is that somebody listening will go, oh, boy, I never thought of golf that way, or I never thought of this that way, or I'm struggling. You know, one of the things that's universal about golfers is I got to play yesterday, and for the first time in – Honestly, the first time in five weeks yesterday is the first round of golf I've played that wasn't in a tournament. And I say, wow. like, men's night or, 
a qualifier or an invitational. About six weeks ago, my brother was in town, and we played golf, and I and we just had fun, or you know, fun golf. You know, you're not. I look at fun golf as like anytime I'm not handing my card in at the end of the round. To so you don't have to hold everything. <clears throat> well, and I do hold everything, but not. We don't when it doesn't. Yeah, when somebody sends you back a, a one foot putt, that's fun yeah. golf. So, but I, I got to observe people golfing yesterday that aren't tournament players, and and it just never ceases to fascinate me the things people say to themselves while Ooh. they golf. It's yeah, it really is. I don't know, never ending. A source of never-ending interest to me, at least, the way people talk about their sh- themselves, their short games, their putting, the, you know, the. It's it's just like this loop that they're in. Oh, I it's know. like a, it's like a never-ending <clears throat> narrative, mostly negative about them about their golf games, and I'm like, wow, you know, <clears throat> and I don't, and I didn't intervene yesterday in terms of you know, hey, you might want to think of it this way. But at one point, I was playing with this character, very nice man, good player. And he was telling me, I think at one point in the back night, he goes, oh, man, I was like, even, I had six pars, and I've just bogeyed the last two holes, and we're on the last hole. And he says, oh, I really had, a, it was even par, and then now I'm two over. And I said, well, the, the funny thing is you weren't eat any of those. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, you weren't even par, and now you're not two over because we still have one hole to play. Yeah. And he sort of looked at me quizzically. I said, you never know. You, you could make eagle here. You could make a triple. You don't know. And, and, but it's what we all have been taught to do, which is to give ourselves a score as we're going. And I can tell you one of the great breakthroughs I've had recently, for various reasons, is I had no idea yesterday on the last hole. I, I lipped out a putt for birdie yesterday. And O'Connor, I promise you, I, and this is almost this is becoming a new thing for me. I had no idea what I shot. That's so cool. I knew it was low. I couldn't have told you if it was under par or, but that I lipped out a five foot putt for birdie on the last hole to shoot even par. But I I just didn't know. I knew I was I knew I you know I was because I was hosting this group of guys and I was kind of it was more about them. You know the old story. Yeah. But I knew I was playing well. I mean, it's stupid, but I didn't know my number. And I never knew it for most of the back nine. I knew I shot under par in the front nine. I was one under. But I didn't know where I was. I'd forgotten or I couldn't really calculate it because I had a couple up and down. You know what I mean? Like, but I, yeah. that's, And that's taken me so long. And, and that's if I can say the first takeaway today is the less you can be involved in your own score, the better chance you have of making it a lower score. Yeah, well, I think we've talked about this before. Um, I think when you're outside of yourself, just things get easier, and you, you, you're playing a bigger game, and it makes it the game easier. It, it's like I remember when we had Judson Brewer Brewer on. Um, I think he was one of our archive shows yep. recently, and he talked about uh, being expansive versus contracted. And when I'm contracted, I'm – I have shined this very tight spotlight on me, basically, how am I doing? You know, and very monitoring myself very closely. Uh, But when I'm expanded, I'm kind of just outside of myself. I'm really more engaged with the world than I could be with my golf partners. And and when I'm in, in in an expanded state, 
it's way more easier to get in a state of flow and just allow things to kind of happen. And it's kind of this broader light that we shine on ourselves and everything. And this just allows for more fun. And, and we're just not caught up in all those self-referential thoughts all the time. And it really is, um, you know, to connect with what we were talking about earlier, uh, about Fred Shoemaker experiencing this sense of freedom. You know, listen, I, I get back to that. And, and, and we'll get to, uh, you know, all this tournament stuff in our second segment. You know, listening to Fred Shoemaker and, and some of the stuff that we've talked about, what it really is is, you know, can you have an experience on the golf course, because this is a golf show, that makes you feel energized at the end versus a lot of my golf life. I'm only talking about myself here. This is my favorite thing. But for <laughs> me, a lot of my golf life has been frustrated and a little bit of regret, like, you know, am I wasting my time? A lot of it has been, I do a lot of, you know, routine practice, and then I don't see the results, and it's very frustrating. And it takes energy, and has, a lot of it has taken energy away from me, but I can tell you in the three or four years that I've been, well, the, the many years I've been working on this, but the last three years intently, you know, I experience such energy at the end of a round of golf now that I never used to feel that way. And it's because of all the little things I've been doing, the little things that you don't think make a difference that add up at the end to all of a sudden, over time, you've recreated the paradigm of which you play in. And I think for me, for other people, I just wish you could feel that because it's a different game than what did you shoot. And I know it's easy for me because I shoot whatever I shoot, but listen. In our second segment, I'm going to tell you about you know some high scores and high numbers I made, but still didn't feel like what you just said. Didn't feel like I was collapsing in on myself. And self-flagellating <laughs> and beating the crap out of yourself and driving home going, oh, my gosh, again. And that's the reason we do this show is because we've both been through this war of just killing ourselves over this this really stupid uh but you know incredibly meaningful game um yeah i've been through you know it was interesting the other night i was playing and this young guy was saying so so how did you get into this i said basically this kid he's a young he's 20 hits the ball a mile but just totally gets his own way and how did you get into this and i said look because i've been through all the wars you've been through <laughs> and so it, it's kind of a it's a process of working through and that's really cool man to hear how that's you've kind of turned you've turned it around in terms of coming off the golf course going oh there's another crappy day where that's i right. didn't you know geez i didn't you know all this time i put into my game and i'm i'm not getting out of it you know what the hell as opposed to coming off the course and going wow i that was fun uh i now know something about myself i didn't know before um i connected with the, the people i was playing with i had a nice time i wow I've, I've got an awareness of something i do in my swing i didn't have before that's awesome stuff that and, and you know i'm sure there's people who are listening going well that doesn't happen to me <laughs> <laughs> well uh, no for sure i'll tell you most people play this game and they don't even know you know that there's a narrative going on and, and i had a, a guy I played with a couple nights ago who listened to our 100th show and he said, wow, you guys really, 
He says, I don't think about the game uh, at, at all like that. And I said, well, I, I, he's a good player. I said, I think you probably do. You just don't use the same language yeah, that yeah. maybe we do. And then we started talking further, and it turns out, yes, he does think about golf in a lot of the same ways. He just hasn't stopped to think, oh, that's what that is when I'm, you know, griping about a hole or that's what it is when I think oh here we go again or that's what it is when I always say this hole gets in my head and so forth um, okay we got to take that listen that's that's our first segment that's how quickly it goes by it's uh, swing thoughts O'Connor Glassman and uh, of course we're happy to be here with you with you on TSN uh, past episodes are available at uh, iTunes and, All uh, 102 of them. Yeah, well, well yeah. I, well, no, I think this is 103, isn't it? No, because those aren't original episodes. This is 101, actually. Uh, uh, listen, we'll figure it out. When we come back, we'll take a quick break. It's Swing Thoughts, <laughs> brought to you by Adidas, TaylorMade, and Bushnell. A man is blowing Dixie, double ball time. Swing Thoughts. Taylor made the uh, Twist Face technology now available not only in the M5 and M6 drivers, but M5 and M6 Fairway Woods. And, of course, Adidas. Man, they got some great-looking stuff. You know, you look at the guys on tour that are wearing Adidas. You know, it's it's pretty cool, the outfits. And uh, you see, you see uh, what's the one I was thinking of is uh, uh, Sergio Garcia. He's wearing that stuff. You know. His 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 uh, behavior isn't that yeah, great. He's, but he looks great. <laughs> he looks good. You know, it's funny you say that because <laughs> what is going on? He now, see, there's a quintessential guy that is uh, that behavior almost seems out of out of date these days. You know, because you don't really see that much at that level anymore. Yeah, that pouty slash the. The bad bunker and yeah. all that stuff. Throw yeah, your, the, throw your driver at the caddy thing he did, and yeah, I heard about it just about killed somebody if the guy hadn't caught it or something. I didn't see it, but I heard about it. Yeah, but yeah you don't see that much anymore, thankfully. Um, you know, let's start with this, I'm, and welcome back. I, I'm not sure if I mentioned Bushnell, but the V4 Shift Rangefinder is amazing. Uh, not, uh, you know, it's funny in tournament play. You're, you, you know, I have a, it basically switches on so you can get the yardage. It's 170. Then you switch the slope, and it gives you, you know, if it's uphill or downhill. And and what I love about this game is you, on the first tee of the tournaments I play, they say, okay, uh, rangefinders are legal, but turn off your your slope, and that's just trust. It's like we just all agree that we're not going to use it that day, and I love that. It's like I wouldn't think of turning it on during the tournament, but we're just all trusting that we're not going to. Such a gentleman that don't, you are. But don't you think? Isn't that great? Absolutely. That's one of the things we, as golfers, we cherish about this game. And I, I got into a really interesting discussion a couple of weeks ago about cheating and how – you you cheat in this game of golf holy cow you 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 and people get any whiff that you're doing that you've tired yourself for a long time and it you know i know at uh, blue springs there's a fellow who um you know he took liberty shall we say 
and uh, it caused a whole uh, it caused a group of guys to basically blow up in half. Uh, he left the club. Oh, oh yeah. my God! Talk about Peyton Place. Oh no, I heard about it. It's a uh, it's a big dr- dramatic. It's like high school. These golf courses. Um, oh, absolutely. Well, it's like but it it's all like, starts with some some person cheated for some reason. They felt it necessary that their fragile ego. I mean, that's pretty judgy. No, but that's um, exactly what it is. You know, had to shoot a, a, a better score than than what he was going to because of. You know, who knows what demons? Well, it's what I said in the first segment. How you do anything is how you do everything. Oh, if yeah. You, you don't, if, if you know somebody that cheats at golf or takes liberties or, you know, in your regular games is always giving themselves four-footers, well, that's how they do everything in life. You know, I, I know a very, very good golfer. And we're going to get to the tournament here in a second. But I know a very good player. And I, um, I'll just say that. And he doesn't like to play tournaments. He's one of those players that in the regular club events, they, they all give themselves some pretty hefty. I'm not saying this isn't the only reason, but they're, whenever I've played in the group with them, the odd time, they're, all, they're always throwing back putts that we don't give. And he's always shooting 70 and 71 when it doesn't matter. Ooh, wow. but, but when it matters... He doesn't shoot those scores. And, the, and I, I was having this discussion the other day with somebody, and they said, well, how come he doesn't play tournaments like the ones I play in? I said, because to be a tournament player at a higher level, and, and I will include professionals, because I've heard this about pros, that you need to be okay with being humiliated from time to time. Absolutely. Welcome to golf. Because <laughs> from time to time, you're going to feel some humiliation, you know, theoretically. But that person I'm talking about doesn't like to, well, has such a fragile ego. And that's what we all do. I'm not, he's not the only one. But this is where the golfer's ego fascinates me is that he will not, he can't handle putting up a big number. So he only plays when he can put up uh, a a great number or then he stops playing. Because I played with him and he's, he's, his handicap is like, you know, he's three better than me. He's like a plus one. And I will tell you this. He never beats me. That's that's a that's a pure vanity handicap. Never beats me head to head because I'm just more comfortable being humiliated. It's like I said about stand. It's like in, like with stand up. I know lots of people that are super funny that would never, never go on stage because that's a whole different level of risk and risk. risk perfect. That's the word I was going for. Absolutely. And, and, risk. and what you're risking is looking silly and not. You know, to being a little bit humiliated, you know. Yeah, but that's that's life. Dealing graciously with loss, uh, you you screwed up. But how do you clean up your mess? How do you, you know, how do you respond? All oh, that's that's part of uh, growth, man. And and here's uh, another thing, another gem. I think that I've I've made a real a real progress living this is recovery is more important than remorse. And how you recover, how you respond in life, how you respond in golf. The reason those guys cheated at Blue Springs and that this person I'm talking about doesn't like to play tournament golf is because they don't really like that recovery part. They only like golf and and probably a lot of things when they're going great because 
You know, it's easy to, easy to, it's easy peasy now. That's what I always say about people with stand up. Like when I'm talking to somebody uh, at 11 o'clock on a Friday morning, and I know that Friday night at 8, I'm going to be on stage, and they're asking me questions about stand up. I always say the same thing. I go, yeah, yeah, whatever. But it's all theoretical now. Right. But the minute you are introduced and walk on that stage, it's not theoretical anymore. You're in the fire. And, it's in, and are you comfortable with that? And are you going to be fine if the joke bombs and people are staring at you? And <laughs> most people don't like that, which is why most people, and this is all going to make sense, they don't like tournament golf. That's why Bobby Jones said there's golf and then there's tournament golf, and they're not the same game. They're not even remotely close. Because as things start to increase in terms of your threatened ego, wow, it's a whole different game. Yeah, That's why you better- have a job, O'Connor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, absolutely. But that's it. It's being able to basically uh, deal with whatever comes at you in life. I mean, we're, we have high points. It's like you you've talked about a few times on the show. It's almost like people want to go through a round of golfing and like, nothing bad's going to happen today. Yep. Not going to have to do any kind of recovery. Not going to have to try to uh, bounce back after some kind of uh, debacle. But that, that's life. It's like the whole, you know, the Buddhists say, life is suffering. It doesn't mean, you know, you're, it's a constant nine-inch nails uh, being stuck in you. It's how you respond to all this stuff. And I think that's what you're talking about is if something happens to you. Whoa, you don't see that every day, one of your saying. You don't, see, you don't get to see that every day. Um, and, you, and how do you respond to that? That's, that is, yeah, recovery, respond. We're talking the same thing. You know, my, uh, my uh, lady friend, my love, uh, Rachel, when we first started dating last year, about three months into our relationship, we were at a stop sign and a guy backed into me. And, and we got into a car accident, but for no, like, it wasn't my fault. I just literally, it was a winter. It was, he was driving a big truck. He didn't see me and he wanted to back up and then take the, the lane beside so we could make the left turn. Anyway, he smashed into my car and the exchange he and I had was so f- sort of funny and pleasant. And cause you know, I, I just, cause I, when he hit my car, you know, my response was like that. Well, you don't see that every day. And, uh, <laughs> And we and he felt he felt terrible, and I said, "Don't worry about it. It's an honest mistake. It's late at night. It's in winter." Anyway, the whole thing we wrapped it up. We exchanged things, but as we're driving away, Rachel said to me, "Like wow," I said, "What?" She goes, "I, I can't, I can't believe that's how you reacted." I said, "Because I was an honest reaction. I wasn't mad. I wasn't trying to show off for this woman. I just thought, well, hey, no harm, no foul. We're okay." And he didn't mean it. Of course, yes, and. and so later she said to me, you know, that was one of the things that she, you know, her fondness for me was how I reacted to that situation. She got to see me rather than just on a date sort of situation where something bad happened. It's how I responded to it. And and isn't that what we want for ourselves and our family and friends is that you, you, you're happier. You know, stuff's going to go wrong, but it's how you what, what level of happiness can you bring or positivity can you bring through it? Versus just looking for reasons because we all know people like that are just golf is just an excuse for them to exercise how mad they really want to be. Uh, this was me, how mad I really wanted to be in my day to day life, but was afraid to to express it. Oh yeah, man, um, that's a really cool, cool example of uh, like you responded with with your best self. 
You know, it's just like, really, you know, like, and that's the difference reaction. It's almost like, you know, the doctor hits you with that little hammer thing and you're <laughs> boom, out goes your leg. Uh, you know, someone crosses you, you jerk. And the guy tried to do this and that and this and that. Yeah. Maybe it's none of that. Maybe it's just something that just happened. You know, I happened to lip a putt out. It doesn't mean I'm a jerk. The guy backs into my car. He's a jerk. None of that. Well, we all know it's people. Not getting invested in the story. Yeah, we uh, all know people those, whose sort of default is the uh, their food's no good, the show was oh, yeah. bad, the movie sucked, that guy's an a hole, the boss. Every, and, and 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 that's how they show up in golf. Oh, this always happens to me. This is my third three putt. All Greens that, are slow. All that stuff. Um, so. You know, we joke. I've, I've been joking this uh, season in that you know you're how exciting it must be for you to be playing with the you know 69th ranked uh, senior in Ontario. <laughs> and so before we went away, I was getting ready for the Ontario Senior Am a year ago. I qualified for it as an alternate. I you know the story of sitting on the tee for seven and a half hours to try and get in the tournament. I had a whole year to think about that, and then I qualified again. And you know, I told the story of in the qualifier things were going okay. All of a sudden, the third last hole, I shank one into the trees and qualified anyway, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I finally played the tournament last week while you were gone, and. Uh, so quickly, the uh, results, I finished uh, tied for 25th. It's the uh, best result I've ever, thank you, best result I've ever had in a, uh, a, a big tournament like that. I, awesome. um Pardon me? That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And um, it was also, I, uh, because of the, the way they, they call it, quota spots. So uh, I made the cut. That was cool. And then I, on the last day, I, there was 35 quota spots available for the Canadian Senior Am, which is in September here in Toronto. And I knew that that day, so I knew that mattered. That third round was going to mean something, and I, I had a pretty good third round. In fact, I had I leaped over like 20 spots, and I finished uh, 23rd in the quota spots, so I qualified for the Canadian Senior Amateur. And a lot of things were pretty cool for me because it was my. it's now the third time in my life I've qualified for a national amateur golf event. Once as a regular am, I qualified for the Canadian amateur as a in my 30s. Uh, I've qualified several times, twice for the um, Canadian mid-am in my 50s. And now as I approach my 60th year, I will qualify for my third uh, age category in uh in the Canadian Senior Amateur. So I, I thought that was kind of a nice little thing. But overall, I would tell you this. Before I get into the rounds, I will tell you that the the work that we have done together, separately, and I've done with my, my team, it really has... It's taken some time, but I can really feel the difference of me as a golf person, not as a golf swinger, but as a golf person... Uh, has made the biggest difference because I'm not a much I don't hit it much better or worse than I ever did. Uh, I do some things physically better, but most of it is just mental. And you know, Timmy, I had this conversation with Charles Fitzsimmons a, a week ago uh, or two weeks ago. I said, "What's going on with you this week, this year, Chuck?" I said, "Why are you playing so much better?" And his response was, "The things he's been working on with his mental processes are st- are finally starting to pay some dividends." Yeah. And I would say the same thing that I'm starting to I'm finally getting to the point now after all this time that it's become as Doolin would say 
unconscious competence. I, Absolutely. I, I am, I am the way I am in tournaments now after all the work. So I, I don't freak out. I know I'm going to be nervous. I know bad things are going to happen. And I just keep kind of plugging away because I know in the end, that's all you can do. That's, that's really so cool. And, and I, I just relate big time to the length of time it takes for these awarenesses and these practices to seep in and become part of like who we are. And just, just to kind of help our listeners understand, I think what's going, what's going on and I'll feed this back to you and you let me know if I'm kind of on the, on that level is that what's happening is that when something say bad happens on the golf course, rather than having kind of like this little mini in the past, maybe this little mini explosion of say anger and, Oh my God, here we go again. Is that now that's not happening to you or maybe not to the same degree. You just kind of catch yourself and go, Oh, that, Oh, well, let's go deal with that and, and move on. Like the same way the guy backed his car into you, you know, it just, it just happened. Um, so now we're going to deal with it. And so you're kind of operating from more what I would be fair to say, a place of emotional neutrality, not too high, not too low. You're not a bad person if you lip out a putt or, or hit a bad shot. And so I know. Am I am I on the wavelengths? A hundred. As you would say, a hundred percent. It's it's. You know, a lot of the things we've been talking about, if you go back and listen to some of the early shows and I was sort of struggling and I I still, hell. Uh, yeah, I was going down the same old path that I had gone down before, which is if I make a thousand swings, it should make me bulletproof on the golf course. And what I've discovered is there is no consistency in golf swing land, but there is consistency in your mental approach to life and to golf, especially because... Bingo, I am, bingo, bingo, bingo. I, I can control myself every day. I can. I have learned to do that. And it's just, it takes a lot of work for someone like me. I'm a perfectionist. I'm a type A. I'm a control freak. But I've even noticed, and you'll laugh at this, I don't even swear anymore. And, it's, and I didn't do it on purpose, but I have just geared myself down to the point when I, ha- when I hit a bad shot, my my... And it's an honest reaction. I go, uh, I, I I can't even. Re- I know, like like I'm trying to think. Like I'll hit it, and when when the shot goes, it's like, oh, that's going into the trees. I'm like, oh, Howard. <laughs> and then exactly. I go, oh, Howard. And then I'll I do this. I know it's going to sound hokey, but I go, gosh darn it! I I literally don't say it because what I don't want to do is I don't want to give the f word because it has a real visceral, angry feeling to it. So it I does, just absolutely. I, it's I, a clinch. It's I a, stay away uh. from it. Yeah. And I've noticed that as I stay away from it, I just listen, I'm going to tell you a story in a second. It's unbelievable to me that it happened and even more unbelievable considering what I how I used to react to things. But my honest reaction to golf shots missed now is yes, sometimes it stings, but it doesn't sting long and I just get on with it. Absolutely. That's yeah, absolutely. I, I know um, interesting. I've been playing some pretty good golf of late. I had a I had a stretch there, not so great, uh, and my index crept up a bit. And but I've been playing, I've, I've been playing pretty well. But I had some missed shots in the last couple of rounds and caused me like to sh- you know instead of shooting a nice little seventy nine, which I enjoy, I shot an eighty one. <laughs> shot a what? Which is like which is like kissing your sister. What, right? What'd you shoot? Eighty one. 
I shot 81 okay. as opposed to 79 because of a double on, like, the 17th hole. But why is 79 better than 81? It's, it's silly. I, I get it, it is, but, you know, it's it why. It is silly, but it still has a, it still has a thing for me. You know, I'm, I'm yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 it still matters, you know. But anyways, the point is, is that um, in years past, I would have found myself, I would have, like, basically moped around the whole day. Yeah, and got oh my, here I am again. Oh no, no, no! I'm just able to let that stuff go, and I think we're what we're talking about here is just. And I think what we're connected to a little bit here is what Charles Fitzsimmons talked about. You know, in terms of you know, Charles, he's a sports psychologist, PhD, and Canadian University champion among other titles this year. Won the Ontario Mid Am. Yeah, what he talked about was that he's been working on basically uh dual concepts of detachment and acceptance yeah that whatever happens is kind of okay so he what i found so interesting and what i connect to your experience is that you've been aware of this we've talked about it for years but finally finally it seeps in and then you kind of start to put it into practice and then kind of like eventually it becomes in essence who you are rather than something you do. Right. Because for the longest time, I had to think, and even now, like in my, you know, in, you know, in the bigger events, you get yardage books. And in my yardage book, on, on there's a blank page at the back of it, and I wrote three or four things that I wanted to remind myself, and none of them were about my golf swing. Would they, it be fair to say they were kind of intentions? Yes, they were, but they were mental intentions. There were, yeah. you know, my, my big one is... Uh, and I and I got this from the the book I've been I've read this book now six times. Golf from Point A, uh, Susie uh, Myers and Valerie Lazar. And uh, one of the things they talk about is uh, that one I said in the first segment. Recovery is more important than remorse. Recovery is so much more important. And what they mean is, I used to do this. I'd hit a bad shot. I'd be pissed off. And all the way from that shot to the next shot, I'd be trying to figure out what went wrong with that exactly. shot. Yeah. And the quicker you can go to recovery and leave remorse behind, the better chance you have of hitting the next shot from point A. But the other thing that I had written down was aware, allow, accept. So, you know, where are you? Are How do you feel? What's your body feel like? What's your awareness of that? You 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 look around. You decide the shot to hit. Then you just allow it to happen, and that allow part is so cool because it's like I'm not going to try and make this shot. I'm just going to try and let it go. And and it's easy to say that, but I can promise you this: over a golf shot now, I'm not trying to think about what I'm doing with my backswing. Uh, a lot of and I'm going to when we get to the club, we're going to I got to make sure we get to the club championship. We may have to do that for our our podcast extra, but. Um, and then the acceptance part. When I, I started working with Charles on this a couple of years ago, about can you stand over a ball and just wail away at it? Because as he said to me at the time, hey, listen, man, if you're going to hit it into the trees, at least hit it like roast it into the trees. We, which, by the way, <laughs> feels better than guiding it. You know, then you know those swings you make when you're like, oh, yeah, I don't want anything bad to happen. And then exactly. it's still, and then bad things happen. The point is, if a bad thing is going to happen, at least give it some effort. You know, <laughs> because it'll just it feels better because it's a release. It's a it's a freedom. It's not like, oh, help me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's funny. So you hit the trees, hit it in the trees for With, gosh sake. Well, no, exactly. Um, it's, it's from a place of freedom and letting her letting her rip. Don't we want to go through life giving her rip as well, opposed to being all careful and <gasps> don't make a mistake? What we want to do as golfers, and I think as people, is we want to control it. When in actual fact, it feels so much better letting it go, even if you are going to hit it into the woods. Um, yeah, yeah, wow. This is exciting talking about this stuff because um, I just, you know, we were talking about Fred Shoemaker, who is inspired by Timothy Galway, who is inspired by, and I don't have the guy's full name. It's, it's Eugen is the first name. Um, but he wrote a book, and we talked about it way, way back when, called The Art of Zen in Archery. Oh, yes. And a really cool book, folks. If uh, you, it, It's very it, it's a short book, but it's dense, but it's got just some incredible wisdom. And what I'm going to connect with around all three of those things is mainly the allow part. And rather than, you know, the, the normal thing that we tend to do as golfers is we're going to go out and we're going to, today I'm going to focus on, say, you know, I'm going to shift my weight or something like that, or I'm going to um, finish my backswing. And so in essence, we're trying mm-hmm trying to do this thing we're trying to do it right trying to do it right and and so in in that it, it, what happens for this uh, fellow in this book is he trying to learn zen while becoming a master in archery was basically allowing right so rather than trying to do it right it, the great doctrine was he just let it go it kind of his body just happened Listen. and he experience more freedom i apologize everyone we're gonna have to uh say goodbye for uh this week on tsn you can hear more of this at uh our swing thoughts facebook page on itunes uh o'connorgolf.ca is where you find out more about tim humbleandfredradio.com is where you find out more about the humble and fred show on funny 820 every day and at humbleandfredradio.com lots more if you want a little extra for you podcast listeners and we'll see you next week Shiver in the dark, it's raining in the park. Meantime, sound of the river, you're stopping your whole everything. A band is blowing Dixie, double fall time. All right, that went by very quickly. Um, it did. Oh my gosh! So here we are. It's our podcast extra. Um. Yeah, you know, I I was I I don't know why I'm surprised, but I can tell you that you know, my golf swing, even though I, you know, worked pretty hard at it. I I was looking at some video I shot a couple months ago and I when I was really working on some stuff and I'm like, I don't think I swing any different, you know, today than I did 2 months ago or maybe even 2 years ago? Maybe even 2 years ago. Um, you know, I know a couple things that are, you know, helping me keep the ball in play, but mostly what's keeping the ball in play is that my my brain's not consumed anymore with how how to hit ball. <laughs> how how do I hit the ball? I don't know. Cuz usually you I used that to body of yours just do it. Well, the thing is I used to stand over it with this pre-flight checklist oh yeah just like the pilot <laughs> yeah and, and i think i've said this before on the show like i remember has this ever happened to you it's happened to me a million times where i'm standing over the ball and i have to stop because i can't remember what my swing thought was yeah, exactly what was the thing that was working on friday right. 
What was that thing? Like, imagine after 47 years, I'm standing there trying to remember how to hit a ball. It's ridiculous. As if you forgot. As if I forgot. I played with this young lad the other day. You know, he wants to be a golf professional, all this stuff. And and it's like he's he can't hit a shot without thinking of something that he's supposed to do. You know, I'm supposed to compress it. I'm supposed to hit the ball the right speed. I'm supposed to turn my shoulder this way. And I, I just sort of looked at him and said, just hit the ball. And he, he could very he could barely grasp that idea yeah. that he could just you mean Kid. just swing and not do anything that that's what Brooks Kepka talked about that yeah. people can't understand is that he's not trying to do anything he's just swinging and hitting a shot and that's what Shoemaker and Carl were talking about I I mean the more I listen to that I listened to a couple of different podcasts with uh, Fred and I uh, and I thought of you and I was thinking maybe I should. Because I want to take a trip with Rachel, a golf trip. And she's, it's amazing um, how quickly she's caught on to all of this, including getting upset, which I thought was hilarious. On her, I took her out golfing on her second round of golf, around about the fourth or fifth hole on this in this country course in uh, the Corthas. And she's like, she's hit about three or four worm burners in a row. She's like, I just don't understand. I go, welcome. <laughs> Welcome to golf. No one exactly. understands. Welcome to golf. But I was thinking of taking her or going to California and hanging out with them for a few days because I, uh, I'm almost a full, I'm almost fully converted to just standing over the ball and ripping at it because uh, it is, you know, because I. You guys should go if you, you guys should go to Palm Springs. Go to the Extraordinary Golf School. It's an yeah. amazing experience. A lot of couples go. And I think that Fred and his his wife and uh, business manager is Joe Hardy. They have run in the past, no kidding, golf for couples. <laughs> well, and it's a great experience because you learn about how to play the golf together. And a lot of people have a hard time doing that, husbands and wives and partners, because he gives lessons and she gets pissed off. Yeah, yeah. But but also, you learn more. It, you learn more about your relationship. Because because I realize, and again, after this, here you know, I have worked really hard, as you know, to try and repeat a golf motion that's unrepeatable. And uh, the more the last couple of years, I've gotten more and more into well, you know, my good. I, I've always I've made some good progress in strategy to play tournaments. Uh, and I promise you, I'm going to give you a, a, a simple thing for you to worry about if you want for your club championship. But but I can tell you that. Your my ball striking in tournaments, you know, can come and go. But what doesn't come and go anymore is how I'm going to play that round. And whatever happens, happens. So I had a very good first round. Taboo is a very difficult golf course. The the scores were oh, yeah. very very high. I shot 76 in the first round. I was in 20th place, and somewhere in the second round. You know, I kind of was struggling the second day. Obviously, I'm thinking maybe in my mind I was a little aware that, you know, I'm making the cut was what I wanted to do because that was one of my goals. And I was going along kind of, you know, not great, not bad. I, I think I shot four over on the front nine, but my ball striking was just all over the place. But I was good attitude. I'm like, okay, let's go to the back nine. And I go like par, bogey, par. And then I, 
and but I, I really it's and, and the thing about taboo is it's very like Muskoka golf. You know, it's like fairway rocks trees, and so I wasn't hit, I wasn't hitting a lot of drivers. I was hitting trying to keep the ball in play with my hybrid or gapper or whatever. You know, that gapper by the way is unfreaking believable. So. It is. But I started to get a little bit, you know. Now it's a back nine. Ooh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the cut's gonna be. Anyway, so I start off the back nine again. I make a par, bogey par, or something. Then I make a double bogey, lose a ball, bad swing, bad aim. By the way, and I want to talk about that before we go. So I, I, I make a double bogey. Go to the next hole. It's the fourteenth hole, and I pull hook my drive into the trees. Three off the tree, and that's we're never going to find it. It's the it's the kind of drive you just yeah. know no one's looking for that ball. So that goes in the trees. This is after the double, right? After the double, Ooh. back nine, second yeah. round, trying to make the cut now. Arg, and uh, that goes in the trees. Three off the tee, I hit the fairway. Now I'm hitting four. I have 176 to the green. I'm hitting my fourth shot, six iron. That goes in the trees. Never going to find it. So that's my fourth shot. Now I drop another ball. Uh, if you're keeping score, kids, that's my third ball in two holes. Drop another ball, hit my sixth shot onto the green, and three putt for nine. Uncut day. And On that's the, the 14th nine. hole, and I have been hitting it sideways. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. I can't even, you know, that you know, left, right. I don't even know. I have no idea where it's going anymore. All None. Two-way miss. None. All of that. I got no idea. And by the way, the old joke about how did you make a nine, I did lip out the eight. <laughs> I did. I, I hit a good putt. It was like a little slotty four-and-a-half-footer, and I just lipped it. And, uh, and I'm not bullshitting you. I went to the next hole. And and you, I, my 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 proudest moment of the tournament is if you saw me on that hole, you have, would have no idea if I made a nine or a three. And the guys I was playing with, I think that's that they. I think that was more remarkable to them than anything that never swore, never slammed a club, never did anything. Just went well. I've got four holes to go. Let's see how well I could play those four holes. And remember, I'm hitting it sideways. I birdie the next hole, so my scorecard looks like this: four five four six nine two. <laughs> That'd be the comeback award for that six, round. Six nine two. I I was so proud of that too. I didn't care what happened after that. But here's a weird thing: because I was still in a mode of not fake positivity, of a mode of of expansion. Mm. Because I was in a mode of acceptance, for some reason, I hit the next three fairways in a row. I hit the next three greens in a row. On the 18th hole, I lipped birdie again, and I didn't know what that was going to I was a 10-foot putt, and I, I, it was such a beautiful putt, just lipped out. But I thought to myself, wouldn't that be interesting that, that I would have been two under after that, that nine? Anyway, I lip out, and I, at that point, I didn't make the cut. I was outside of the number, but as the afternoon wore on, just like you see on TV, my number got happens. better and better, and I ended up being within the cut by two. So the joke is I could have made an 11 on that hole and still made the cut. But old Howard, we'll just talk about him for a second, I would have gone six, nine, and then that would have been the end of the day. My, yep. fi my final score on that day was 82 with a double bogey and a quintuple bogey, but my final score... 
three years ago would have been 92, and I would have been driving home that night. So that made me feel pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. I was oh, like, absolutely. I was like, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good golf, and and a bunch of my friends because I did put the, I put my you know on a, on a I put part of the scorecard up on our Facebook page because I wanted yeah, to I go. saw that yeah because I wanted people to see that it's possible to do that, and that you know someone would say to me, how could you make a nine? I, well, because sometimes your golf swing just doesn't respond, and sometimes when you get nervous and subtly you know uptight your feels go away but what what can stay is the way you deal with it so i go to the third round and now what's on the line is you know i'm trying to qualify over this canadian seniors and the third day it was the best ball striking day but even with good ball striking i still have to get up i got up four times got up and down four times in the first nine holes two of those up and downs were for bogeys so i was still grinding away get to oh, the yeah. back nine the third day again there's something on the line and i'm feeling pretty good cuz i made the cut and i triple bogey the 10th hole i'm like ah golf <laughs> Why golf? Why? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I triple bogeyed the tenth hole, and I played the next eight holes even par, Ooh. because that's what you have to do. And I'll tell you the last part of the story. So I'm on the seventeenth hole, the fifty-third hole of the tournament, and I know I'm playing well. I don't even know what I'm shooting, but I know that I got. I've been ever since the triple. I've gone bogey birdie, and everything else is pars. Middle of the 17th hole at Taboo, I got 100. I, I kill my drive, little three wood off the tee. I got 105 yards to the hole, and I'm waiting to hit my ball. And I look up to see where my ball is, and I'm like, this is weird. It, it's almost like a, I can't quite see it. I'm figuring this. It's in, literally, if you drew a line down the middle of the fairway, that's where my ball is. I get up there, and it's not just in a divot, it's in a canal. <laughs> that's, why, oh. that's why I couldn't see it, because the ball, half the ball is below the earth. Oh my God! And is one of those canals that's uh, on a diagonal away? No, from no, the it was no. The saving grace it was on at least pointing to the hole. But oh I was thinking, gosh. you know, it's the kind of shot where if you thin it, there's trees, rocks, bunkers, uh, wall. I, I, so I'm thinking, okay. And I looked at it and laughed. And that's another thing I got from this book is that when we feel tension and nerves and whatever. Sometimes just laughing, because all these chemicals start flowing in your body, but making, making yourself kind of go, ha, ha, it just changes your chemical makeup. Yeah. So I got up there, and I was kind of like, are, I started to giggle. I'm like, are you kidding me? Seriously. I couldn't have hit it any better. But what I didn't do is I didn't call the guys over to show them how bad the lie was. I just got on with story. it. Didn't Maybe make it a story. Next. I laughed right. to myself and I thought, "Isn't that sweet golf? You're still—it's the fifty-third fucking hole, and you're still fucking with me." That's what Podcast I thought. Extra, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I said, I'm st "This golf is still messing with me," and so I just—I decided how I was going to hit it. I said, "If you're whatever my miss is going to be, it's going to be short. It's not going. I'm not thinning this into the woods." Sure enough, I, I hit it nicely. About five yards short of the green, got up and down, made par, parred the last nice. hole, shot seventy-seven, which doesn't sound good, except. On the last day at that golf course, that was the 10th best score anyone shot. The scoring average on the last day was 80. The scoring average every day was 80. And on that day, I passed 20 guys with a triple bogey on the 10th hole. Anyway, at the end of the round, I look at more I fit into the whole scheme of things. And it taught me two things. I don't need to have my best ball striking to compete. And but for two holes, and I know everyone can say that, but not everyone made a nine and a seven. But for but for two holes, I would have been top ten 
in that competition. And so a little bit of my self-image has always been like, I'm not sure if I'm, maybe I'm not good enough to compete with the Rob Gibsons and the Mark Brewers and the Larry Coopers and the Chris Kurtzos, but I beat them all in one round. In fact, I beat a couple of those guys in two rounds. And I thought, you know what? Yeah, I could, I could, I could, I can hang with these guys. Absolutely, I can. And they're very fine players. But it's like I always thought of them as like, well, that's a whole other level beyond where I'm at. And and, and would you say the common thread to all of this, this ability to to recover from quints and doubles, <laughs> triples, all this, and to be able to find yourself in this place is, is has nothing to do with. Uh, you know, having this consistent or repeatable golf swing, nope. but it was about your ability to recover. The, the, the biggest takeaway from that book, and I've, and I've written down hundreds of notes now, is that recovery is more important than remorse. Absolutely. And, uh, and, the, and the idea of, of not linking your shots. Like the reason I read the book six times I'm, 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 is that every time I read it, I go, oh, yeah, there's another thing that's – is that we all – I didn't like Hebron uh, is the one that recommended we read that book because most of us link golf like it's a par four. So I'm going to hit my drive. That's shot A. I'm going to hit my second shot. It's shot B. Then my C. Then my D and all the way down the line. But their point is every shot is an opportunity because you've never hit that shot before that you are once again at point A. Absolutely. It comes back to the cliche. How do you play golf? One shot at a time. But That's people, it. but Timmy, people say that, but they don't really give you an idea. Well, how do you do that? Well, you do that That's by right. not linking all of them together. That's you know, right. when I made the nine, you know, and, and I, you know, so uh, people don't know, like, so on a tournament scorecard, you've got, I'm taking, I've got Tim O'Connor's score. So I'm giving Tim numbers in the boxes, but underneath is another uh, sort of uh, strip that comes off the scorecard where you keep your own score. To, so you make sure you're. They, they match up at the end of the round. Well, I'm running right. down six, then nine. So I'm, I'm aware that I just made a nine. But it just didn't... I knew because of my the work we've been doing, I just knew that I'd best... Here's what I did that really helped me. I didn't then think, what am I for the round? Mm-hmm. I specifically decided at that moment that I was going to do the best I could, no matter what happened. I'm going to I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to calculate what I am over for the round because that would have done me in because I knew that somewhere I knew that if I shot around 160 that I would make the cut just so you could see the numbers of whatever right. as it turned out I was exactly right I shot 158 but I could have shot 160 but that really saved me by not calculating okay well now I'm 5 plus 2 I'm 8 over for this 9 Right. I just said, screw it. I'll just keep going. So I can, that's, and how long has it taken you to, a long time. to kind of, to get this down? Like this is stuff that, you know, Carl Morris has said this often is that there's a big difference between what we know and what we do. Just because we know something doesn't mean we actually do it. Oh yeah. So it takes time. It takes experience. It takes failing. It takes being humiliated, all this to learn what, and eventually we kind of go, all right, this, there's, there's a different way to do this. And I'm not going to fall into my old patterns. And that's awareness and that's response, responding. Well, listen, so four weeks good. ago, I broke a club. I mean, four weeks ago, yeah. I, I yeah. snapped my eight iron 
uh, in a fit of uh, frustration. But I, I, step, I stepped back from it and went, okay. I slept in my car the night before. I was exhausted, and mm-hmm. I just ran out of fuel. But I can tell you, you know, this time I made sure I was hydrated. I ate every three holes, thanks to you. I was rested. I, I, I knew going in that bad things were going to happen. And when yep. the bad thing happened, I was like, okay, well, there's that's a drag that I just made a fucking nine, but... I'll tell you, when I sank the putt on the next hole for two, I had such a a charge of energy. Like I said, I had been hitting it completely sideways for about six holes. And then all of a sudden, I went fairway green, fairway green, fairway green. The last three holes, last four holes, I hit all four greens in regulation. The last three fairways, I hit them all. And I had been hitting it horribly. But I just, the... the, Same guy. Same guy. But (laughs) But I, my attitude was... I, I got freer as opposed to got, and would you say contracted? You know. Yeah, and, and, and trying to solve this ball striking conundrum, and nope. you're, you're never going to do that, and that's what leads to to those disaster rounds. And when you when you're trying to figure it out, as opposed to just dance with the one that brung you, yep. if you will. I took, you I took more on those last three holes. I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm not hitting it good, so I'll just take a little extra club each time. I'll just go a little wider. And then the weird thing happened is I just started to find some flow again. I, did, yeah. I, I will say this, because I've had some, and we've talked this, uh, on Swing Thoughts, where I uh, in Victoria the year before, I was on the fastest greens I'd played a tournament on, and I was three-putting oh, yeah. and four-putting. I three-putted three times in 54 holes. Which is really good tournament golf, and these these greens were rolling, man. Like this is a this is a, these they were the fastest greens I'd played this year, and I was just rolling my ball so nicely, and that really helped me more than anything else. Is that I was able to lag putt thirty, forty, and fifty footers to kick ins, and that really lowers your stress because oh, when because sure you, when you're making soft pars and soft bogeys. You can you can you feel like you're 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 moving on. It's when. So you, let me ask you. Sorry, can, can I ask you a quick thing in terms of those lag putts? Yeah. Are you in fact trying to do anything, or is it just see putt, look at line, get it maybe a, like no? I, what I'm getting to is there any intellectual or cognitive activity? Of what I need to do, or is it just look, decide online, putter behind ball, let her go? You know, uh, our friend Mark Evershed and I have been talking a lot lately about this thing. He calls it projection putting, but basically what he is talking about is what you just said: is looking at the target and breathing in, kind of breathing in that uh, that what you see. You kind of go. And then when I, I, so that's the last thing I do is I take a breath. And then as I let my breath out, I let my putter go. And Mm -hmm. so it gives you this kind of feeling, a sensation of, because what most of us do, and I didn't realize I was doing it, is we hold our breath while we putt. Exactly. Yeah. And so this attention, which, which leads to tension. So. It, it, this was Mark's thing. So I, I look, I take my practice swing. The only thing I'm doing in my practice swing now is I'm like, it's like if you were trying to gauge how far you had to throw uh, a beanbag. 
So I, I, I'll, I'll make my backswing as long or as short as I think I need it. But the last thing I do is I take a breath looking at the target, and then my eyes go down to the ball. And as I bre- let the breath out unconsciously, I don't think about that part, but I've, I've, I don't hold my breath. I just let the putter do its thing. I can tell you, Timmy, it's the best. The last month of, of my golf world is the best putting I've ever had. Even when I three-putt now, you're going to three-putt. Like, I, you know, the, the way yeah, I'm... of course you are. The, the, I don't mind missing a putt if it hits the hole because it could have just gone in. It's when you miss a putt and you don't hit the hole, you're like, what did I just do? <laughs> what was that? Where was I looking? But this, this idea of projecting, projecting yourself to the target is what he means. Mm, yeah, yeah, I love it. I, you know, it's interesting. In the last two to three weeks, I've been putting my best all year. And I just, all that I have this sense is, is that I'll take a look at it. And then I just set up with the putter behind the ball. And I just, I'm just in this state where I'm just, the, the putter starts to go back. And then it, it just, it just kind of does its thing. I, it's almost like I'm just watching it do it. Yeah. And particularly on lag putting, like, you know, I, I'm getting like 30, 40 footers like to, to tap in. Well, and, and that's it's like thing. no effort. It's just, just look and do it. You know, they that was somebody was talking about Tiger. I read this thing, and they were they called Tiger the best lag putter uh, of all time. And it, what it did is it, and you see it in his early years. What it allowed him to do was on the more difficult holes. And this is I'm, I'm getting to. We're going to get to the club championship here in a second. On the more difficult holes, Tiger would always take a conservative route, knowing that he could two putt from anywhere. And I can right. tell you, like. You know, when I was in Victoria last summer at the Canadian Mid-Am, I three-putted. I've had 40-some-odd putts. Well, in the, like I said, in the last round of the Senior Am this year, I got up and down four times in the first nine holes. As I said, a couple of those were for bogeys. But I got up and down because you don't, when you can, when you feel good with your putter, you can hit it to five feet. You don't have to hit it to kick in length. Right. You know you're going to sink some of those. But it was my lag putting. It was the 40-footers that I didn't, That and it's Fawcett said this, it was the things I didn't three-putt very often. Um, a couple of those three-putts at Taboo were like 60-footers up a giant mountain. You're going to three-putt <laughs> some of those. You know, on the PGA Tour, 33 feet is the point, statistically, that a tour pro is as likely to one-putt it as they are to three-putt it. After that, it goes up. So think about it. If you're just a regular schmo like us, and you've got a 47-foot putt that breaks 16 feet, chances are some you're going to probably three-putt that. So give yeah. yourself a break. Um, as I used to have this whole linking thing of the story of, oh, I can't stop three-putt. It's stupid. Um, so I'll tell you a couple Absolutely. things. So for your club championship this weekend, you know. So you're coaching me now. This is your coaching session. Thank you. Just pay attention to the basics. Like Nicholas said in his book years ago, Golf My Way, he said 90-some percent, I can't remember what it is, of what happens in a golf swing happens before you take the club back. So all I've worked on for the most part of this summer is ball position, alignment, and aim. And I can, when I say aim, where are your eyes looking? Because all my bad shots, less than, as Hebron would say, you know, they were, you know, the ones that didn't work out, the ones that went in the trees, all of them have been as a result of, as soon as I hit it, I'm like, gosh, you know, Howard, where were you aimed? Exactly. Because for right-handed golfers, when your eyes are looking further right than you think they are, 
what it tends for you to do, because we've all been told, you know, swing out to right field or whatever that was. Yeah. What it tends to do is it tends to bring you where the target is left of you. And so you will pull it to the target. But more importantly, for you, O'Connor, and just pay attention to those things. Your golf swing is, you've got a beautiful motion. Like the motion you make with your arms and your body is, is very, very good. I've said that a million times. So what could go wrong on a shot? Well, your subconscious wants, is seeking balance. Mm -hmm. So make sure you're in a balanced position. You know, make sure your weight's in the right place. Like I said, I would say to you, if you could think of nothing else, then take some time before you play to go look in a mirror. Like, am I set up correctly? Because this is, this is so cool. Keep going. I got an interesting. Well, because to come if back the ball's too really far forward, it'll do this. If it's too, because those things matter so much more than we, you know, expert players. Any any player, but you know when when you look at a fifteen handicap, I can tell you right away they're aimed too far right, and that's why they come across and slice it because they have to do something to get the ball back to where it's supposed to be. And, and I'm saying for an expert player like you, you'll do well to work on those things because those are controllable. Mm -hmm. After that, let the thing just f slap at it. But yeah, you can control that. So that's this the is one really thing. cool. I like this. this. Is really affirming. Why is that? Um, well, um, you know, our, our friend uh, George McNamara, who we had on the podcast, I don't know, six, seven weeks ago from Pennsylvania. He's, he's a Fred Shoemaker friend, and, and uh, he's got the golf zone. And, and anyway, we talked to him about six or seven weeks ago. We did? And, yep. Okay. And uh, <laughs> anyways, a, a great guy, a, a master professional. And, um, you know, and I just, uh, I just said, George, would you be available to look at my swing? So I got the so I sent him some stuff over a course of about a week, uh, face on. Oh, what he was working on. We, here's what we were talking about. This is what spurred it on, is that he and I were in a conversation about how Fred has kind of moved away from using the throwing the club thing to more of using just throwing a golf ball. So because throwing a golf club can be kind of dangerous, and some people are think they look silly doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways. The way we talked about it was just you stand in your golf posture, you know, and you just hold the golf ball. Instead of holding the club, you just hold a golf ball in, you know, with your right hand if you're right-hander in, in in your setup position, and then you just toss it. So you, you you do your wind up and you toss it. So I took some video of me face-on position throwing the ball and then hitting the ball and then down the line the both throwing the ball hitting the ball, and you know I was a little nervous that we were going to do this yesterday because it's you know today's the start of my club c and he took me through with that and he saw that on face on that my setup exactly what you're talking about was not like and that i had my head kind of behind the ball yeah. my right shoulder was way lower than my left and and he and he asked me what did i see and the, rather than tell me he says what do you see and i told him those things and he says well yeah that's what i see too and he says if I was to ask somebody to set up so they could hit the ball fat, that's the way I tell them to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so all we talked about was getting myself more centered so that the the ball, if you if you did a straight line from the ball up, it'd be kind of like just through my head and just I'm just on top of the ball on, as know, opposed to as well, opposed to behind it. Mark Evershed, I'm going to tell you, Sheds has this phrase. It's called on topedness. 
And, yes, exactly. And when what that does to your body is when you're on top of it, a bunch of things happen. Your eyes are your eyes are more level. They're not right. looking to the right. Because when you drop your shoulder, this is a little technical thing. We were, you know, what will happen is if you set up, if you're right-handed golfer, you put your left hand on, as you put your right hand on the club, there will be a subtle shift yep. to the right. But what most people do is they overdo that. We all were taught to do that. But what we misinterpreted, because we know we saw Jack Nicholas turn his head to the right. But what he did is he swiveled it on a level plane, not not to the inside, whereas, you know, I'm, I know this is getting technical. If your eyes are okay. looking to the right, you bad things will happen. When your eyes are level and you're feeling on top of the ball, what it signals to your body is that everything's okay. Subconsciously, you feel more like ready to hit the ball. Yeah. You feel more like there's a, it's like at your level, it shouldn't be a surprise when you hit it good. But sometimes, Ooh. I know I've felt this before, where you're like, I'm really not sure what's about to happen. <laughs> exactly. And that's why and that's why I was kind of that was led me to have that conversation with George because I just kept hit you know, I have good rounds going like a decent round going, you know, four or five over or so for me, that's pretty good. Um and then bam, hit one dead left. And I just that's the and, and I was going like, what's going on here? Because overall, I feel pretty, I've felt pretty good about my emotion. Yeah, your emotion's you know, fantastic. You know, I look at on, on video, that looks pretty good. Yeah. And yet these loose shots and I went, got to be something, something. So I went to George and it's very interesting. And I say affirming that basically we're talking about the same thing. And since I had my little uh, video session and we did it through V1, which is really cool. So this is kind of a little... Folks, uh, the V1 app is free. Um, you know, you, you can take video of yourself. You can put, draw lines, all this good stuff. And so I, I was able to send my video to, to George, and we got on the phone yesterday. And he, he basically he said, like, as a very good instructor will do, instead of all this outside-in stuff, here, here's what you're doing wrong, Tim. Mm -hmm. He asked me <clears throat> what I saw. Right. So it was very empowering. And so I was seeing things within myself and then we just kind of talked about it. And so uh, great instructor, great advice, and really interesting how um, these things are all in alignment. Well, how, how do you like that for some? Uh, uh, some I love it. You know, when you're, when you're tilted, when you're tilted to the right, just think about what it's doing to your eye line. Because your exactly. eye line can no longer, if you look at, if you put a wall, a if, if you were up against a wall and you thought of the wall as the target line, if you could only ever look down that target, down that wall to where you wanted to hit it, your eyes swivel to the left. Your eyes swivel down and to the left. But if that wall's not there and the ball's in a funky position and you're tilted to the right, now your eyes look down and to the right. And that's when those left shots happen. For a better player... Uh, last, so, the, so the last thing I'll say is this. You always want to feel like the target is to the a little slightly, for me at least, slightly to the right, as opposed to me looking back and seeing the target to my left, because right. that means my eyes are all fucking weird. I can tell you that what George <laughs> told you is what is whatever shed, you know, really, the, the work I've been doing with Mark is just sort of just that, like, make sure you're set up. More weight on your toes than you think you should. Yeah. And more on top of the ball versus 
bent to the right with the eyes looking to the right as well. Because it's so, and what you're, you're to connect to your earlier point, particularly for a right-handed golfer, it feels more powerful yeah. to be aligned to the right and and to start with more, you know, unconsciously with more weight back because it feels like I'm going to just, and I'm going to take this forward and I'm just yeah. going to hammer it. But it's it's an out-of-balance position. And I, but I, I just, I love, this is kind of what I call it, the same way you have the beauty of Mo, the beauty of Shed. Yeah, and man. I love how, like, on topness. That's yeah. fabulous. Yeah, on topness, man. And uh, you know, like I, whenever I talk to Mark, it's always just just this stuff. It's like, you know, he has this thing he had me do the other day. We were cuz cuz I I like hanging out with Mark cuz I just I'm such a nerd. He's so smart about the oh game. God, he so he uh we were just talking and he he had this this is for funsies too. He has a 2 by 4 I don't know, maybe it's 3 or 4 feet. And he had me hitting balls with just my heels on the two by four, so it basically tilted me as though I were going to fall over. That's what it felt oh, like. Oh, cool! So you're and actually you're literally standing standing on a two your... by four with my heels on the two by four, and I'm oh, man. And, I'm, and I'm bent this way, and it felt to me like I was going to fall over. But my body, then when it balanced, all I could hit it was sort of this straight soft cut and the reason is because your body think about it when you're back on your heels you kind of can as you swing away you sort of i can't i want to get too tangled but you sort of swing away and, and across the ball when you're absolutely. on your absolutely when you're on your toes your body will find a balanced position where it's impossible to do anything but but to hit it sort of square because i got the same i got the same advice from from uh, ralph bauer who coaches Kyle Stanley and yep. Taylor Pendrith and maybe it's not Taylor Pendrith, but anyways, uh, anyways, same thing, same thing. You look at Brooks, you look at Rory, you look at Tiger, you look at you. They look, and I was watching some golf last night, and I was just watching guys set up. They all look in like they're in the they're in the ready position. That position you see volleyball players, the position you see, you know, a quarterback. It's 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 no no one's leaning back. But right. golfers will do that thinking, you know, well, I guess I can tell you. So Shed put me on this uh, two by four for about four swings. And it was like, wow. And then so there's a there's a little golf tip that has nothing to do with this. Has uh, to do with how the, you swing. Absolutely. And here's a tip, folks. If you live in the greater Toronto area, particularly in the West, and you are seeking some great coaching, you would do well to see Mark Evershed. The guy is an absolute character. Oh my God! But he he <laughs> he is uh, just listening to him yeah. is amazing. Uh, you might have to get used to him a little bit, but he's just a font of wisdom and and a way of putting things. Uh, you might have to get a bit used to it. Yeah, it's but- like. Uh- He's like the golf Sherpa. It's like going to the mountaintop to have a couple of moments with a guy that just sees it so differently than everybody else. He really Absolutely, does. but he's brilliant. Yeah. And um, he's at Hidden Lake. Yeah. And he's, he uh, is, oh, he's, he's a beauty. Yeah. And uh, he's got this... Uh, He's got his amazing daughter, Robin, um, who's born Down syndrome, and she's amazing. But anyways, go see so, Mark Evershed yeah, at Hidden Lake. I was going to say, if you want to find, if you want to get to Sheds, just send me an email or send Tim an email, and we'll get you his information. Uh, dude, amazing. So what time are you, uh, is your, your your tournament starts today? One fifty tea time. Okay. Well, listen, man. Uh 
you have everything you need. You're 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 fine. And and you know, like you know, the first few holes. Like I, I have always been a perennial slow starter in golf for some reason. I just don't seem to be able to get going for a few holes, but. I just accept that now. Although oh, the yeah. other night on men's night, I started birdie par birdie, and I'm like, what is going on? Uh, <laughs> but generally, I just say for you, like, just be more, start more conservatively until you get a feel for where you are. Give yourself a few holes to find your footing. And so while you're finding your footing, just err on the side of safety first. So, you know. If you happen to miss that second hole, which is a tough par three, try and miss it in a place where the up and down is either. I always miss it right. Always miss <laughs> it right. Because left oh, is dead. And, and But right and short <laughs> on that second hole is better than long and left, obviously. But, but, but if you have that as a strategy that you're going to ease yourself into it, then you may be. Because, you know, a lot of times in tournament golf, Chaos happens early because that's when we're the most nervous. Or we fake our way through the first few holes and then chaos happens on five. But if oh, you yeah. kind of allow it to come to you and and that if you make even if you bogey the first three or four holes, I don't care. But if you just if it's like you know, it, you can there are bogeys and there are bad bogeys, but like make make it so that you are you know that you're not really gonna you're just gonna take your temperature for the first little while. And that allows that's great. you. Yeah. Like, that's you great. Veteran tournament yeah, player just, just, experience. You should have been talking to Rory McElroy before oh. first round of the Open Championship. Can you imagine? That's how tough golf is. You know, oh, I, I want to leave you with this. So our friend Charles Fitzsimmons, this is how tough golf. I was, ta- I was I took Fred out yesterday, and we were golfing with a couple of clients, and it was took great. Fred out. Fred, Fred, Freddie P., Fred Patterson. Oh, right, right. Fred and, Patterson, and we had a great right. time. And, and we were, you know, we were talking about golf and, you know, where I stand. I said, well, let me put it this way. I have a friend, Charles Fitzsimmons, and he's won the university. We mentioned he won the Mid-Am, and he's the number one ranked uh, Mid-Am. He's the number two ranked amateur in Canada. And I was talking to him. I said, hey, Chucky, where does this put you in the world? And I looked him up and because this is <laughs> fascinating. So this guy, who's the number one or two amateur in Canada, is the 2,000th ranked amateur <laughs> In, in the world, 2,000. And I said to a friend, I said, that means there are 2,000 amateurs better than him, and then there's 2,000 tour players better than them. I said, that's where we're at here. Like, you know, golf is a tough, tough game. So you know, it doesn't matter how good y'all think you are. We're all just horrible at it. So today, you know, just enjoy where you're at and just let it let it develop as opposed to, you know, worrying as soon as you maybe you don't hit us, you know, such a great, you know, that first hole there at Blue Springs, it's a tough hole, but you don't have to hit driver, you know, just because it's a par four, it's a short par four. You can just get something out there in the fairway. I, I usually, I, I stand, my standard is a three wood off there. What is the, what's the yardage? You know, I think it's like 370, something like that downhill. Yeah. Downhill. So why, you know, why three wood? Why not? You know, of a hybrid or a long iron. You know, you hit your four iron probably two hundred yards down there. I don't know. If I still had a four iron, now I have a, four, <laughs> right. now I have a four tailor made gapper. I love that gapper, man. Um, it is. It's awesome, and it looks so cool. That black and everything. Everyone wants to try it. Uh, my, Absolutely. I have the three gapper. I have it turned down a little bit, so it's like a two and a half, whatever. But uh, you know, I, I have I, three and four. I took my four out of the bag. I thought sixty-two year old man doesn't need a four iron. 
Well, you tell you what, you don't look a day over 58. Uh, all right, kids, we got to go. I'm, oh, this has thanks. been the longest uh, show we've done in a while. Uh, next Friday, I'm available, but I'm going to be uh, coming in late Thursday night, so maybe we could talk about a bit later start because I'm coming back from uh, Nova Scotia. Is that where I'm going, Nova Scotia? I guess. Yeah, so. you're going to Cabot Links. That's going to be amazing to talk to you about that. And uh, we need to get um, that Doug Carrick, Tom McBroom show teed up. Um, yeah. And, that will uh, be fun. Uh, and I, I'm going to be playing at Cedar Bray. Uh, the second week of uh, September in that tournament, the Canadian Senior Amateur. And uh, honestly, I'm so excited. It really is something, you know, because I said at the beginning of the year, I, I had that as a goal. And uh, and through no golfy stuff, like really, it's like, con- as I said earlier, it's fascinating to me that the most improvements I've made have to do with, have nothing to do with my golf swing. Have oh, everything yeah. to do with how I approach it now, and again, there's you know not every day is you know sunshine and unicorns, but I can tell you almost every round of golf, including you know I played men's night. I've just had too much golf. I just had a bunch of commitments, but I played men's night Wednesday, and after starting off two under after three, I shot. I double bogeyed the last two holes to shoot seventy seven, and I literally was giggling, going, "I'm so tired." I just, <laughs> I just, I, I'm literally standing, looking at the horizon. My eyes are closed. Like you, you can't be hard on yourself in those situations. Whereas before, I'd be like, oh, "How can I let that happen? I'll go to the range and try and work it out." And now no, I'm like, "Let that go. Let that go." I well, just don't uh, care. Just, just quickly in closing, um, yeah, my club C starts today, and you know what? I don't feel the least bit nervous. I'm excited to play. I'm, this is going to be fun. You know, yeah. it's going to be a good time. And also, and just as a, a note, um, I've got a coaching session with Fred Shoemaker lined up uh, a week from today. What? Yeah, it's about it, it's about some uh, about my business. I'm have a kind of a a, a coaching session on that, but uh, we're certainly going to work some golf into it. So well, uh, you know, I, yeah, I just like in the same way that you know. I called up uh, Carl and said, "Hey, how much did you charge?" And he went, "Okay." And I called up Fred and how much did you charge? And so I'm gonna have a well, when, session when we with stop. Fred okay, just stay here for a second. So when we stop recording, I want to know what that is. Um, <laughs> all right, everybody, that's our show. See you later. Hitting, I'm hitting pause now. I know. Bye, everybody. No music. Bye. See you. Bye. <laughs>